Turn your Old Testament to Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, the first seven verses, speaks about the, the two firstborn into this world, and that was Cain and Abel. They were brothers, and both of them gave an offering to the Lord. One of the offerings was acceptable. The other one was not acceptable. And what that's a picture of is a picture of the offering that is acceptable for salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. One brother uh, sacrificed a lamb, gave it to God, uh, and uh, the other one took fruits and vegetables, the work of his own hands, and gave that to God. And it's not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And so the picture for, for, for our salvation was painted way back there uh, it, with, with the first family. But uh, look with me, if you would. Let's all stand together. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. No, she wasn't uh, 36 feet tall and all that kind of stuff, and he wasn't full-grown when he was born. All right, we'll just clarify that. Uh, <laughs> verse 2. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. By the way, it's the first time you find anger in the Bible, is, uh, is in that verse, verse 5. And then verse 6 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? And the, the, the verse I want us to focus on is verse 7 tonight. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be in church tonight. It's good to be with your people. It's good to take a day like Sunday and pretty much just dedicate it to you and spend time in worship and prayer and listening to your word. Uh, Father, uh, we love you tonight and uh, so, so thankful for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Ask God that you'd speak to our hearts tonight and uh, that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, would do a work in each and every one of our hearts. Keep us attentive to you. And uh, Lord, I pray that the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, as I preach. We ask God that you would have your will and your way in each and every one of our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said. And all God's people said. Yeah, all right, now you can sit down. All right. What I want to draw your attention to is, is verse 7. And the reason why is because there's a, there's, a, there's a law in Scripture 
that, that basically uh, is the very first time any subject is mentioned. It kind of sets the scene for that subject or that thing throughout Scripture. This is the very first time you're going to find in your Bible the word sin. And, and what, what uh, God told uh, Cain was basically that, his, that his, his offering was not accepted, but he had, he had another opportunity. It's not like he just cut the guy off at the shoe tops and said, you know, uh, you're, you're done, you had one shot at it. Uh, you know, because I've talked to people that have re- read this passage of Scripture and said, well, that isn't fair. One was accepted, the other one wasn't. Uh, you know, uh, maybe he didn't know. I don't know if he knew or not. Personally, I think he did know. I think he had an idea of, of, of what was acceptable with God and what wasn't. But regardless, in ver- verse 7, he's basically giving him a second chance. And of course, as you know, he didn't take that second chance, and he ended up getting, continuing to stay angry and to kill his brother. But I want you to look at verse 7. It says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou, not, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I want, I want us to look at that phrase, sin lieth at the door, and ask ourselves in our personal lives, is there sin lying at the door? With, with sin lying at the door, the door is the, the, um, the, the entrance way, and so no matter which way you go, if you go out or come in, you're going to run into sin. And the idea was, was that, was that uh, because he did not do right and because he was not, uh, did not respond right to, to reproof, that uh, sin was at the door ready to enter into his life. And uh, uh, sin is, is something that uh, affects everything in life. You know, you've heard me say here recently, sin is not your friend. It never has been, never will be. And, and uh, sin affects everything. Sin will affect the way you think. Sin will affect the way you live. Sin will, in your life that is not taken care of, Will, will affect relationships. And again, this is the first time sin shows up, the, the word sin shows up, not the first time sin, but uh, the first time sin, the word sin shows up in Scripture, and immediately it affected a relationship, and that was the relationship between the two brothers. What I want to look at uh, th- this evening is, is some things about sin. And, and how sin affects us. First of all, what, what are the causes of sin? I went through Scripture, and there are, there are many different things that, that are causes of sin. For instance, in this verse, uh, in the very first verse that we read, verse 7, it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin laugh at the door. So the first thing sin is, is not doing well, not doing what we know we're supposed to do, not doing what we know is right. And if we know that something is right and we know that something is, we're supposed to do and we don't do well with that thing, then sin lieth at the door. Deuteronomy 23, verse 21 says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. All that simply is is just telling God you're going to do something, and then you don't do it. 
And when you tell God you're going to do something and you don't do it, then it becomes sin. Now, don't raise your hands. But how many of you have ever told God, God, I definitely will do fill in the blank, and then you didn't do it? Well, as, as soon as you failed to, to complete that vow, the Bible says that we have entered into sin. Sin is in us. Another, another thing that is sin, 1 Samuel 12, 33, says, uh, Samuel was uh, talking to Saul, and Samuel said to Saul in 12, 23, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. I find it interesting. He didn't say sin against you. He said sin against the Lord. And we, we enter into sin when we cease to pray for one another. When we don't pray for our families, when we don't pray for our church, when we don't pray for our friends, when we don't pray for one another, uh, when, when, when we're not praying for others, sin lieth at the door. Um, another, another thing that, that becomes sin is Proverbs 21.4 says, And high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. When the wicked work, even when the wicked work, uh, it's, it's sin. But it, it starts off with talking about a high look and a proud heart. Pride. Whenever there's pride in our life, then, then sin is present. Uh, nowhere in the Scriptures, absolutely no. And I, I, I remember years ago I challenged somebody. It wasn't here. It was at another church that I pastored. And uh, I, said, uh, I said, you know, the word pride is never used positively in Scripture. They found one verse of Scripture that they thought might, might be a positive thing. It's in the book of Psalms. I can't remember exactly where it is right now. But it's hooked with the word reward. Well, it was a negative reward, not a positive reward. There's nowhere in Scripture where God says that pride is a good thing. Um, I remember back uh, after uh, 9-11, in 2001, I remember that uh, there, there was a, a bunch of bumper stickers. I think there was a tire company or some, somebody here in town that were putting out this, uh, uh, these bumper stickers talking about being proud of being an American. And uh, uh, the, the Beams went and got one of those bumper stickers, crossed out with a magic marker the word pride, and put thankful that I'm an American. And, uh, and I like that. I thought that was good. Because any time pride gets in there, then sin lieth at the door. And it, you, know, you know what's a good test as to whether or not you've got pride in your heart and life? <clears throat> give somebody an idea or, or give your opinion about something and have it shot down and see how you respond. And, uh, you know, I... I've done that, and man, I've gotten mad, I've gotten upset. I, 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 had, uh, I had someone one time, it was another preacher came in, and he had this, this idea about changing a particular ministry that at the time we were supporting. And uh, I'm not going to go into all the details, but, but uh, he, he, he had his little projector with, it, with him, and he sh showed it on the wall, showed me a presentation, the whole nine yards. He got all done with the thing. And he said, well, that's all fine and dandy. I said, but well, we're not going to support that because that's... That's, I don't believe that that's, first of all, that's not how that ministry got started. 
And, uh, and I happened to know some of the people that were involved in that particular ministry when it started out. And I said, we're, we're just going to go in, in a different direction. And I said it like that. I wasn't, wasn't trying to be, you know, rub it in his face or anything like that. He was not happy. And uh, from that day till this, he, uh, you know, we have not, let's say we, we are not kissing cousins, okay? We have not been real close, close together. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you really can tell uh, whether or not you've got pride by, by how you respond to uh, ideas and thoughts and opinions that uh, sometimes are shot down. You know, one of, the, one of my favorite songs in the scripture, and I got a whole, or scripture, and one of my favorite songs in the songbook, uh, and I've got a bunch of them, is the song, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. And, and the reason why I like that so much is I have to be reminded all the time that that is the case. You know, uh, I, I, I have often said, uh, when somebody says, you know, preacher, how you doing? And I say, well, better than I deserve. I don't say that because it's trite. I don't say that um, just, to, just to have an answer. I say that sometimes, in fact, most of the time, just to remind me, okay? I do have it better than I deserve because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Another, another thing that causes sin and causes sin to lie at the door, Proverbs 21.9 says, the thought of foolishness is sin. Our, you know, it doesn't have to be an action. It can just be a thought. It can be thinking about something that God doesn't want us to think about. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why Jesus said, you know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. If you look upon a, a woman with lust, you're, a, you're, a, you're an adulterer. Um, and, and that's why in the scriptures, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Our, our thoughts can enter into sin, even if we do nothing as far as our actions go. Uh, another thing that, that uh, can cause sin to lie at the door, Romans 14, verse 23, says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Anything we do that, that we do not do in belief, or any unbelief that comes into our hearts and lives, that causes sin to lie at the door. Uh, James chapter 2, and verse 9, says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Treating, treating people different based upon uh, who they are, what their class is, uh, what, what, uh, what, how much wealth they have, and in that particular case, in context, it was talking about the wealthy versus the poor. And uh, uh, anytime we show respect of persons that way and try to, try to get favors from others because of that, that's sin. Sin lieth at the door. Uh, another, another one, James chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Every time we know that we're supposed to do something, sometimes it's not just the sin of, of, uh, of, of commission. Sometimes it's the sin of omission. When, when we know we're supposed to do something that's right, but we don't do it, and when, when that happens... Uh, it, it's sin, knowing uh, what to do that's right and not doing it. To him it is sin. Sin lieth at the door. Uh, another one, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is 
is the transgression of the law. Uh, whenever we violate God's word, sin lies at the door. And, and uh, last of all, 1 John chapter 5, and verse 16, it says, All unrighteousness is, is sin. So nothing that, that isn't right, everything, or rather everything that isn't right uh, that we do, uh, that's sin, and sin lies at the door. Now, when sin lies at the door, there is a cost for that sin if we don't take care of it. And in the case of Cain and Abel, sin was at the door, and he didn't take care of it. He didn't rectify the situation. And, and one of the things that just, it just happens, when, when sin isn't taken care of, it worsens. When sin isn't addressed, then it continues to grow and causes more and more trouble. And what are some, what are some, some costs of sin? Uh, first of all, the, the effects of sin are always greater than what we expect them to be. The Bible says, uh, he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And, and he uses the illustration of a harvest. Well, in a harvest, you always get more than you sow. You, you sow a tomato seed, and you get a plant full of tomatoes. You, uh, you, you sow a kernel of corn, and you get, you get a, a, a stalk of corn with, with, uh, with uh, ears of corn on each stalk. You always get more than, than uh, what you sowed. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 7 <clears throat> says this, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Now, there's a sense in which if the fathers sin, the children are not supposed to pay for that sin. Okay? In other words, you don't punish children because the father sinned. But can I tell you something? When the father sinned, the children are punished. Because that sin and that iniquity, that, that tendency is passed on to the children. Um, you, you say, how do you explain it? I can't explain it. Uh, God just, just states it. He says that that happened. I was recently talking with someone about a situation, not here in this area at all. But... Uh, it's a, uh, parents that have adopted a child. They adopted the child, and they brought up that child just like they brought up other children that they already had in their home. And, and uh, the child, uh, the person gave me instance after instance after instance after instance where the kid is just totally wicked. And, uh, and I, asked, I asked the person that was telling me the story, I said, uh, what do they know about the parents, about the blood parents? He said, Not, don't really know much. Well, I, I'll guarantee you this, there's something in that background that is coming out in that child. And I, I asked questions like, do they spank the child? Yes, they spank the child. Uh, you know, do they, uh, do they, you know, are they raising the child biblically? Yes, they're raising the child biblically. And the child just is, is responding differently. Uh, that, that our sin, and I think the bottom line is this. Okay, I'm not trying to get you to, to look for, 
for, uh, you know, look for problems in, in families and in individuals. But what I am trying to emphasize is we underestimate the power of the sin that we play with in our lives. We underestimate the effect that that sin has. And don't you know that the Adam and Eve household was totally disrupted because of one person's sin? I mean, because of that sin, Cain slew Abel. Uh, don't you know that there was kind of some friction between mom and dad and Cain after that? Now, it doesn't go into all that stuff in the Scripture, but you know that that's the case. And sin always has a more far-reaching effect than, than, uh, uh, than, than what you would think. Uh, my sins will affect my children. Your sins will affect your children. Um, just give you an example. Uh, King Saul, he uh, offered an offering that he wasn't supposed to offer. Uh, he stepped into the, the duties of the priesthood. And uh, then a uh, little bit later on, he did not fulfill the commandment of the Lord and kill all the Amalekites. And so God not only took the throne away from him, but God took the throne away from his family. Now, guess what? Jonathan was next in line. Guess what Jonathan lost? He lost the throne. Not, not because of anything that he did, but because of what his father did. Uh, you have a tendency, or you, you, you pass down tendencies to your children. And, uh, uh, you know, in, in some cases, I, obviously they're learned. In other cases, I, I believe it's, it's in the heredity. It's just there. And uh, uh, it, it, again, it just has greater effects than what we think that, that it would have. Jeremiah 17, verse 1 says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond. It is graven upon the, the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Now, what it's saying there is that it, it does a number on your soul. I mean, it, 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 it works on your heart. It causes, it causes scars that, that uh, are, are there for a long period of time. In some cases, they're there forever. Um, there's, there's memories. Some of you folks that are in your, your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and, and, and a little further on from there, there are some things you wish you could forget. There's some things that you, some memories that you have about things that you should not have done or that you should have done and didn't that you wish you could erase from your memory. But you can't because it's there. Um, it, it'll, it'll scar you. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get sorrow because of sin. We'll, we'll you know, as I said, you will, we'll have memories because of sin. Uh, the psalmist said, my sin is ever before me. Uh, that affected, without a doubt, his mental state. Uh, sin can be forgiven, but it can't, it can't be undone. Uh, Esau sold his birthright. Was it right for him to sell his birthright? No, absolutely not. But he sold it, okay? Well, he can repent until the cows come home, but guess what? Uh, he can't get his birthright back. Why? Because there's some things that you do 
that can't be undone. And so, so sin has a much more far-reaching effect than what we think. Isaiah 59, verse 25. Your sins hath withholden good things from you. You know, uh, unsaved people look at, look at people that are saved and say, well, you know, if you have to live for God, uh, then uh, you can't have any fun. You can't have any blessing. The truth of the matter is there's nothing better than the Christian life. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than living for God. There's nothing better than a holy life. There's nothing better. There just isn't. Um, but the but, uh, uh, Bible says that if, as Christians, if, if sin gets into our life and we don't take care of it, that, that, those sins can actually withhold blessings from our lives. Um, God can't bless my sin. God can't bless your sin. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, your sins have, 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 your sins have hid his face from you. Um, we, we can't serve God the way that we ought to serve God when there's sin in our life. It'll cost you, and it'll cost you the blessings of God. Um, payment of sin always exceeds the pleasure of sin. The uh, Bible says that there is pleasure in, in sin for a season. But when that season's up, the payment is extremely long. And again, it's always longer than what we expect. So the effects of sin are always greater than what we realize. Uh, the the second, uh, second thing, as far as the cost goes, is that you can't, you can't hide from it. You can't run from it. Uh, Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, because, because of sin in our lives, eventually it will catch up to you. Um, when, we were, when we were over in, in Yorkshire, we lived really on the edge of a cornfield. And um, so there are all kinds of critters and stuff running around there. We had a couple of mice in the house, and we, we put uh, traps out and, and poison and so forth and killed the mice. But have you ever had a mouse that's eaten the poison that you laid out for it, and then it crawls into the wall of your house and it dies. Uh, I had, the, you know, I, I can't prove it, but there is a skeleton, I believe, somewhere in the walls of my office. Uh, I walked in one one Sunday morning and I took a whiff. I've got a, I've got a, um, uh, we've got traps. Those. Uh, uh, traps where they go in and eat the poison. We've got them around the church. We've got exterminators that service us. And there's one right outside my office wall. Well, evidently, a little furry critter got in there, ate the, ate the stuff, and decided to crawl into my wall and make that his resting place. Well, uh, I'll tell you, boy, for weeks, it just stunk. Be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, you know, uh, you can you can hide it all you want to, but eventually it's it's just flat going to stink. Uh, it, it'll hunt you down. You can't you can't outrun it. And every you know everybody seems to think that well, I I know that's true in most cases, but in my case, no. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall uh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. Uh, that's always the case. It'll always hunt us down, and it'll always find us out. Another, another thing about uh, 
the, the uh, causes of sin, it, it, uh, or the cost of sin. It, it affects your body. Uh, sin can affect you physically. I was, I was reading something on, on several different websites uh, this, this last weekend about stress. And, and uh, when, when we worry about things, uh, that's because we're not trusting God, and that's sin. You know, worry uh, causes, they said something like 90 to 95% of much of the, the illnesses that are out there are partially due to worry and stress. Um, it, it affects the body. Psalm 38, verse 3, the psalmist said, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that if you're hurting, then that's because you've sinned horribly. That's not the case, that's not the case at all. But does sin affect you physically? Yes. Yes, it does. It'll affect you physically. And uh, uh, some, of the, some of the effects are direct. Some of the effects are indirect. Another, another cost of, of sin is that it angers God. I mean, our whole, our whole purpose of existence is not to, not, to, not to anger God, but our purpose of existence is to please God. But, but our sin angers God. 1 Kings 16.2, um, uh, God is speaking to Baasha, the king of Israel, and he says this, he says, thou, thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins. God was provoked to anger, and our sin provokes him. Psalm 50, verse 22 says, Now consider this, ye that forget, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. I can't, I can't read that, that scripture I, as we're going through Psalms. Uh, I can't read that without just getting shivers. Uh, God is one to be feared. He hates sin. He hates sin. And, uh, and our sin angers God, no matter what it is. Um, another cost of sin is it, it, it becomes your master. Jesus said in John 8.34, he said, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Uh, we have been set free. If, you, if you're saved here tonight, uh, you don't have to serve sin anymore. Before you got saved, you didn't have a choice. But you go to, you go to, to uh, Romans chapter 6, and it tells us that we've been set free from sin. Sin is no longer our master. We don't have to serve sin. But when we sin, sin, sin will become our master again. And you, you serve sin. Sin never serves you. And again, sin is not your friend. Uh, you, be, you become a slave to sin. You become a slave to your passions. And they can ruin you if they're not taken care of. Um, an, another cost of sin is it, is it deceives you. It, 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 it messes with your thinking. Romans 7.11 says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. That's the same chapter where Paul says, uh, That what I would... I, that what I would I do not, and that that I, I should not I do. That's not an exact quote, but that's, a, that's the, the struggle that was going on on the inside uh, of Paul. And uh, uh, he, he's, he, he prefaced that in verse 11 of chapter 7 
with the sin by taking occasion uh, of the commandment, deceived me. Sin, sin is a deceptive thing. Um, we'll, we'll play around with a thought. We'll play around with an action. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll uh, omit something that God wants us to have in our life. Bible reading, prayer, uh, we'll skip a church service. And we'll say, well, you know, I can handle it. Well, nobody will know. Well, it, it only affects me. You know, I'm wondering, I've often wondered if that's what Achan thought when he took, when he took the, the, the spoil of Jericho when he wasn't supposed to, hit it. Nobody else knew about it. I mean, absolutely nobody. When they went up against AI, they were absolutely amazed. They were puzzled. They said, Lord, you know, you basically, uh, I'm sure Joshua was remembering what God told him before they went into the promised land, every place your, your, the sole of your foot goes, I'm going to give you that territory. And then they go into Ai, which is just a little town, and Ai cleans Israel's clock. And you say, wait a minute, what's going on? Well, it's because he had no clue. He had no clue, but God, but God knew. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've often wondered if, if, if when Achan partook of the accursed thing, then in his own heart and mind he says, well, this isn't going to be so bad. I can, I can go ahead and, and, and do this thing. It's only going to affect me. Well, the truth of the matter is it didn't just affect him. It affected his whole family. They took him, they took his wife, and they took his children, and they took them out and they stoned, they stoned them to death. So it does affect more, more than just you. Um, when, when, we, when we are deceived, we get, we get hardened. Hebrews chapter uh, 3 and verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It deceives us and then it, it hardens us. And, uh, and we're not sensitive to it anymore. And then, then the last thing that, that, that is a cost of sin is death, physical death. We, we often quote Romans 6.23, and rightfully so. I, I make no apologies for it. I do it. When I'm witnessing to somebody, I'll take them to that verse and say the wages of sin is death. And that's true. And there's two kinds of death in the Bible. There's physical death. And there's a spiritual death, and if a person doesn't trust Christ as Savior, they'll not only experience the physical death, but they'll also experience the spiritual death. <clears throat> but if you look at the context of that passage, it's not talking about lost people. It's talking about saved people. It's talking about saved people who continue to serve sin when they don't have to. Again, Romans chapter chapter 6, and it says the wages of sin is death. Uh, sin can, can lead to premature death in our lives if it's, if it's not taken care of. So we know, what the, we know what the causes are. We know what the, what the, what the cost is. What about the, what about the cure? Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Look down in verse, in verse 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that 
his fear may be before your, your faces that ye sin not. Now, when he said fear not, he meant don't fear what's before you. But then he went on and said, said that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And that's, that's, that's a, 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 a godly fear. That's a righteous fear. The Bible says God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's not talking about the fear of God. That's talking about the fear of circumstances, the fear of people, uh, the fear of, of situations. He has not given us that, that spirit of fear. But there is, there, there is a fear of God that we ought to have. Um, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and it's the beginning of, of knowledge. It says uh, in the book of Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. One of the things that will prevent us from getting into sin is, first of all, fearing, fearing God. And secondly, fearing the sin itself. One of the reasons why I went through the, the causes and I went through the costs particularly is so that so you can just be reminded, sin is not only not our friend, it's, it's our enemy, and it will destroy us. You know, we sometimes, I, th- I think we're bombarded. We live in, in such a, in such a uh, sinful, sinful time in history. Um, yeah, I, was, I was just thinking about it the other day. It says in, in the scriptures, it says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. One of the reasons why they're perilous is because people take sin so lightly. And we look at the world and we say, yep, they, you know, they have no conscience about sin. Be careful because that world slops over into our lives. And to say that we're not affected by that is really a, a deceptive thought. We are affected by that. And we need to realize that we're affected by that. And we need, we need to realize we need to constantly have not only a fear of God, but also a fear of sin. And then there's another thing that can be attached to that, I think, that will keep us from sin. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 10. And I think this is probably one of, my, one of my favorite, I've got a bunch of them, but one of my favorite Old Testament verses. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. It says, now Israel, and he's talking to Israel before they go into the promised land, and he says, now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. We not only need to fear him, but we need to love him. And, and I, I believe this, I believe one of the things that keeps us from sinning is loving God. Not just fearing him, but loving him. Uh, you know, you've heard me say often that we have a tendency to go one way or the other. We either put the emphasis on the fear and de-emphasize the love, or we put the emphasis on the love and de-emphasize the fear. Neither one of those extremes is right. Uh, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to fear the Lord our God. We need to love him. We need to fear him at the same time. And that, that love for God, knowing that we're here to to please him, and he's displeased with our sin, if we, if we have a desire to, to please him, it will keep us from sin. 
And, uh, uh, and, but what happens when we do sin? You know, what's the, what's the cure for sin when it's there? The things that I just gave you, the, the fear and the love, that, those are things that will prevent us from getting into sin. But what about when we get into sin? Go to, go to Proverbs 28 and John, 1 John chapter 1. Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28 and 1 John chapter 1. Proverbs 28, look down in verse 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Don't give excuses. To others, don't give excuses to God when you're caught doing wrong. Uh, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You go over to the New Testament. First John 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's, there's three things we need to do. We need to acknowledge that sin is present. And then we need, to, we need to confess that sin to God. And then we need to turn from it. And we need to, to, to repent, repent of it. Um, why is it so important? Because if we don't, then sin lieth at the door. And when that, when that statement was made, that was a precursor to absolute disaster in the Adam and Eve household. That was an absolute disaster in the, in the lives of two brothers. One lost his life over the thing, and the other one ended up being a murderer. Why? Because sin lieth at the door, and he did nothing about it. question I got before you tonight is, is there sin any sin, lying at your door, if there is, take care of it now before it comes to full fruition. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful for the stern warnings that you give us in Scripture and the, the obvious admonitions and rebukes. God's sin is our enemy, and sin can't be played with. Father, uh, as, as, as we realize that, we see, the, we see the deep cost of sin in our lives and even in the lives of others. Uh, so oftentimes, good, innocent people uh, get hurt and get burned because of sin that's, that's in our lives. Uh, Lord, I, I can think of, of times when I've just had the wrong attitude toward my kids and I've I've hurt my children deeply. Well, uh, sin was lying at the door, and I did not take care of it. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be able to identify the sin that might be at the door of our lives tonight, and then help us to be quick to confess it because we, we fear you and because we love you. God, uh, please... Work in this invitation, work in our personal hearts and lives. And uh, God, as you speak to us, may we just respond to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.